You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, everyone, welcome back to the latest edition of the Mountain West Wire football podcast. This is not Jeremy Moss. Um, we're doing a little bit of a mini episode. Unfortunately, he has other business to attend to. Uh, I am Matt Kennerly, though, here as usual. Uh, and joining me for a little bit of a, a brief conversation about a bit of news uh, Mountain West related is Jeremy Harper of College Football News and Howlraiser. Um, so if you're looking for the, the more extended podcast on Air Force and Army, uh, as well as the Mountain West Football Championship, that is still forthcoming. Today, we're talking about, uh, Utah State football. We're talking about Arkansas State football. And we're talking about Blake Anderson. So Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, of course, you know, you, you we will all kind of work together under the college football news umbrella, uh, about a few years ago now at this point, right? Yeah, we, we, our paths have intersected a few times now. Few times, yeah. Um, so for those Mountain West fans who, who may not be overly familiar with Arkansas State, I figured that was probably the best place to start the conversation. Um, of course they, they have faced Mountain West teams is in recent memory. There was the Arizona Bowl against, uh, Nevada, I believe in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Uh, as well as a home and home with UNLV, I think also in 2017 and 2018. That's right. But, you know, for those who haven't paid that much attention to the Sun Belt and to Arkansas State in particular, you know, uh, during Blake Anderson's tenure, why don't we start by just telling us a little bit about what, how would you describe kind of the overall uh, Blake Anderson regime during his entire time in Jonesboro? Well, before I, 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 I give you a little insight on that, we also played Utah State in recent years. We've had a home, right. home and home with them. And Utah State, uh, always gave us a, a very tough game. We, I think we won by a field goal in Jonesboro one year and then just completely got trounced another year mm-hmm. at Utah State another. So it was a little surprise, not surprising, but kind of ironic to hear, uh, our, uh, to hear, uh, Blake Anderson going to Utah State, it just, we felt like we're almost having sort of a, 
a, a conference or interconference rivalry there with Utah State. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> Blake's on his way to Utah State. But uh, I'll give you a little background on Blake. Blake is probably the most decent guy you will ever meet. Um, wears his faith on his sleeve, is always very honest with you. He'll do the usual coke. Coach speech, uh, speak, you know, he'll kind of, mm-hmm. he'll conceal uh, a uh, injury from you or he'll, he won't reveal any of his grand plans, but he is always very respectful to the media. Mm-hmm. Always very respectful to the fans. I've never seen him bristle, uh, to a fan or to a, a, a media member. One time, I'll, I'll give you a little anecdote. I, I wrote mm-hmm. a story about Blake Anderson, he has this uh, mantra, faith, family, and fun. And the title of the story was, Is Faith, Family, and Fun a Top 25 Mantra? Hmm. So I openly wondered if there was maybe a little bit too much looseness in that kind of philosophy. You would never see, for instance, Nick Saban having fun, right? You know, yeah. He doesn't have fun when he's playing football. Seems, seems verboten in a lot of corners of the college football nation. Yeah, yeah. And so I wrote the story and I posted it and and uh, all of a sudden I got a uh, a text from Blake Anderson. He said, "Dude, I wish you had talked to me before you posted that." I said, "Yeah, I probably should have as a as as you know uh, if I were a real journalist." We got talking forth, and he was a little irritated, but he made a good point. He was like, "Jeremy, I." You know, I we talk about we're building a monster here in Jonesboro in terms of the team, but I don't want to build monsters for 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 kids. I don't want to turn these kids into monsters. You know, this is about a learning experience. This is about growing up to become men. So he he really kind of uh, shed some really nice light uh, in that moment to me of what his philosophy was. He really cares about the kids. Uh, he really cares about his players, uh, and when he talks about his team being his family he's he's that's not lip service for blake that that's that's a real sentiment and so what about the on-field product because you know a lot of mountain west fans might be familiar with anderson being the guy who stopped the the revolving door if you will uh of coaches who were in and out of jonesboro for a few years including brian harson the current boise state coach so as far as like the on-field product over his uh was it seven years at arkansas state Oh, gosh, what was it, 2014 and now, so about six years, I guess? Six, six or seven? seven years. Yeah. So he's, so, yeah. Go ahead. So how would you just, how would you describe that aspect of the job? Like how, how well did he do relative to, you know, other figures in program history or anything like that? Uh, you know, he, he did bring that stability and what we really needed that. Uh, we had gotten used to celebrity coaches coming our way and we'd get a year's worth of service from them and, oh, right, it was time for another coaching search. We actually got a little addicted to that juice. It was, it was, it was sort of a buzz that we would get every December. We'd have some new coaching search, kind of like what we just had recently. Mm-hmm. And with Coach Anderson, he brought with it, okay, we're just going to shut the door on this, on this, or shut the window on this. We're going to have some consistency. And it showed up on the field. It really did. There was, a, a, I, I think the team got a lot more comfortable knowing that they were going to have uh, the same coaching staff year in, year out. And especially for the first, I would say, three and a half years, uh, the product was really good. Um, uh, the offense was always dynamite. We had always had the luxury of having good quarterbacks come through. And he's just a 
he's sort of a, a quarterback whisperer, in my opinion. He just really knows how to get the most out of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I think we were always a little bit concerned with uh, was this is actually highlighted in our game against Utah State a couple of years ago was how sloppy the team can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he likes to play his players with a lot of passion, and so oftentimes that passion leads to a lot of stupid fouls. Like especially for especially against teams like Utah State, we collected a bunch of technical fouls. Mm-hmm. So it's just stupid fouls that. There would be no discipline as a result. It was always like uh, uh, Coach Anderson was always so tight with his team. It felt like, at least amongst us, uh, us the fans and, and some of the media, we looked at it as maybe he was a little too close to the players. But uh, but he was a player's coach. And quite frankly, at that time, he his wife, Wendy, was going through uh, uh, cancer treatments. Mm-hmm. And he needed family. <laughs> you know, he needed yeah. He needed that really bad. He needed more support from not just Wendy and from his immediate family, but also his adopted Red Wolf family. So I think that in a lot of ways, some of the discipline sort of evaporated from the team. And as a result, maybe the team got a little too chummy. But uh, that's why I think moving off to Utah State might be the very, in his very best interest. I think he just needs that clean slate. Yeah, the way you describe that kind of makes me just think of the phrase kind of reckless abandon. And I think you you tend to see that sometimes with a lot of high-octane teams, whether it's in the forms of – and I'm thinking primarily of Mountain West teams when I say this. You know, under Nick Rolovich, uh, you know, Hawaii tended to be, you know, very hot and cold where, you know, they could throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, but they could also throw for four interceptions as well. Or, you know, even more recently, like Nevada has been, you know, a very, very potent air raid offense, but they've often been very penalized over the last couple of years as well. Well, sometimes, Matt, I mean, you, you and I are creatures of the group of five. We see this all the time. Some way, some, the only way you can make up for a lack of size and a lack of speed is an abundance of emotion. Yeah. And, and that's how the Red Wolves play, especially on defense. Defense, they were, uh, very high octane and very uh, uh very aggressive. Uh, uh what the Red Wolves defense wanted to do most was create a turnover and create problems for the quarterback. Uh that's something that hasn't worked for us this year, uh with a sort of a talent drain that we've had. But that that was the that, that it seemed like it was the emotion that's covered up some of the deficiencies but also created other problems. Yeah, and I wondered about that because, you know, all I, you know, I don't have as, as good a grip on the narrative, but just in look, kind of looking at the numbers over the last couple of years, one, one thing that jumped out to me was it seemed like there was a big disparity between how the Red Wolves performed on offense versus how they did on defense. And, you know, I'm a very big proponent of like per play, uh, on, on both sides of the ball. And I think that that kind of disparity reflected itself in some of the more advanced metrics too. And so, you know, I guess since you mentioned defense, you know, was that something that was always a problem for Anderson, or is that something that has kind of crept up in the last couple of years? Well, I would say that's always been a problem for Arkansas State. When something, when one uh, group is doing well, the other one's usually not doing as well. And what mm. Anderson did do a good job with, especially that first three years, is that he 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 maintained the offense. He's an offensive guy, so he 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 knew how to run that. But his philosophy on defense and the coaches that he brought in to do the defense was bend, the no, bend don't break. Yeah. So between the 20s, it was a crapshoot. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. 
the team's going for sacks. They're trying to harass the quarterback, force him to make mistakes. Understanding that our quarter, our cornerbacks are usually undersized or not as quick. Mm-hmm. So that gave the, the cornerbacks more opportunities to make plays because we usually had a great defensive end that would cause some problems. Um, we lost a lot of talent in recent years. And so in 2019, 2018, and for a lot of 2017, uh, you, you could see it slipping away that the, the, with, without somebody rushing the passer, without big defensive linemen causing trouble, uh, offenses were just making short, short passes and making us pay. So, and I never, we never really felt like Blake Anderson was able to, to address that problem. You know, he mm-hmm. would, he would sometimes, he, he would go stick with a, a def- defensive coordinator, and this year uh, we fired a defensive coordinator, uh, uh, Coach Duggan, who had come out, I forget, it was some, it, oh, it was, he came out of the MAC. And uh, for whatever reason, Duggan just wasn't working out. We just couldn't, he, the, the defensive schemes were, were giving up 50 points a game, sometimes to some very mediocre opponents. Uh, we got, when he left, the defense didn't get any better. So uh, I don't know if it was a result of Blake's an offensive guy and he just hopes that this defense guys will, will take care of it, or if it was just a matter of we just didn't have the skill players to, to make it happen. I really don't have a good answer for the defense at Arkansas State right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So so just to kind of put that into context for the listeners, you know, I just looked it up to, to get the most accurate numbers I could. So according to SP+, which is one of our metrics we always talk about in our previews and everything like that, Arkansas State, after week 15, the 46th on offense and 120th on defense. <laughs> we were like 120th on defense last year, too. And then, and uh, it's embarrassing. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't have a team from the Mountain West I can compare with on that. Maybe well, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams <laughs> in the in the Mountain West that have similarly large splits. Like Fresno State, I think, is in that same neighborhood. Oh. They're 51st and yeah. 105th. You know, San Diego State's the opposite. You know, we talked about it. I think on our most recent recap, how they're 119th on offense and eighth on defense. Always kind of strange to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you know what? Here's what I've learned too. It's it's no fun to be 120th in defense yeah. because just to watch the game, you you just have to rely on the offense to 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 score points without any breaks. As soon as they have any type of lapse in in, in rhythm, well, that's the game. And yeah. uh, and we were able to kind of coast through that for two years. This year, it just finally caught up with us. Uh, and again, I don't know if it's, if that lies totally on Blake Anderson. I think Blake Anderson, who is very loyal to a, to a fault. You mm-hmm. know, he's stuck with Dugan for maybe a year too long, but, or Duggan for a year too long, but he, he is very loyal to his people and he wants to see them succeed. And, uh, and <laughs> I think that's what Utah State's gonna get. He's gonna get a guy. They're gonna get a guy who's very loyal to the team and to his people. 
and even to the fans. Uh, and sometimes he's loyal to a fault. And so I guess that's, that makes for an interesting pivot towards one of the other things. And, and thinking about the offense in particular, you know, I mentioned earlier how you know, there's a huge disparity between both sides of the ball. And it seems like the offense has, has thrived despite using what, as far as I know among the college football landscape, has been like a very distinct kind of two quarterback split. Mm-hmm. And so for our, for our listeners who aren't familiar, you guys have been running Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher out there for the last two years. So can you tell us a little bit about what that has looked like as someone who's watched Arkansas State week in and week out? Well, what happened was in 2019, uh, Logan Bonner was the guy. Mm-hmm. He was the starter. Hatcher came out of Alabama, and he was the backup. Uh, Bonner got hurt early in the season, and after a, a close loss to SMU during the fourth game, uh, Bonner broke a thumb, and he, mm-hmm. couldn't, he couldn't go anymore. So Hatcher came in. And the expectation for Hatcher was that, you know, he's young, he was a freshman at the time, he's going to make a lot of mistakes, we're just going to have to find ways to work around Hatcher. As it turned out, Lane Hatcher was a pretty good quarterback, and Mm -hmm. he threw up some very good numbers, uh, numbers that were just as good as Bonner. So when Bonner became healthy uh, next season, we knew there was a quarterback controversy. Uh, I think a lot of people expected – at least I, I I don't want to speak for a lot of people. I, I, I say I expected Bonner to be the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He had it. He was a, a he was older. He had waited his time behind Justice Hansen, and it was time for him to to take the control. And he he was just as good as as, as Hatcher was. And essentially, they're the same quarterback, Matt. Yeah. Uh, neither one runs very well. Both of them like to pass the ball. If anything, I think uh, Logan likes to place it in in the receiver's hands while Hatcher kind of has a lot of faith and trust in his wide receivers. So when we had this dual quarterback system this year, it was even snaps every other turn. And it didn't matter if one guy was looking hot or not. They they stuck with that rotation. Interesting. It it was interesting. I've never seen anything like it. I've seen dual quarterback situations where you had one guy who could run and one guy who could pass. Oh, yeah, we did yeah. have plenty here in the Mountain West. Oh, sure, yeah, and, and, and that can work, you know, because it, it, it confuses defenses, but there's nothing really to confuse defenses with this with this rotation. All it did was make sure that both these guys had equal, equal uh, reps. Now, one reason I was given for that was, well, in the age of COVID-19, it's good to have both these guys equally as sharp because you never know when one of them was going down, right? Yeah, we, we heard similar reasoning, I think, most prominently from Steve Adazio at Colorado State when, mm-hmm. you know, and because they, they ran into a similar kind of issue where Patrick O'Brien, uh, missed a lot of training camp. And so it was actually Todd Santeo who started their opener, uh, against Fresno State back in, uh, late September, early October. Yeah, and I think what that does, though, I think it, in the here's what it does. It it says one, it says to the fans, we we just don't want, we just don't have the balls, or I'm sorry to say, that. we just don't have the guts to make the call on one of these guys. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, it it shows almost a lack of faith in the team, saying, well, we just don't believe one of you can take the reins. I think that confuses the team a little bit, and I think that it certainly confused the fans a little bit. And it was very frustrating on our end 
when we would see a guy who was clearly having a better game. And sometimes it was Logan, and sometimes it was uh, Lane Hatcher. It, you never knew who it was going to be, but one of those guys usually rose to the top, and you'd want to see that person in the fourth quarter taking taking control. And they just uh, the coaching staff would never deviate from the script. It was always you know uh, uh, it was always one or the other every time. So there was a lot of frustration to that. And I think uh, in the end, uh, Logan Bonner uh, felt that frustration and before, right before the end of the season announced that he would be transferred. And I was just going to ask you about that if you hadn't brought that up. Um, and I think it was about a week ago at this point. We're recording on uh, Tuesday, the 15th of December. So what do you suppose the odds are that he follows Anderson to Utah State? You know, it, it was funny when when Logan uh, Bonner uh, announced that he was transferring. For some reason, it even occurred to me that Blake Anderson would be leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I just felt like he was he was probably going to stick around for another year. So I didn't connect that dot at all until he announced he was going to Utah State. It, the the two coincided so quickly, it's almost hard to believe that there hasn't been some communication one way or the other. Now, I don't know what Utah State's quarterback situation is. As far as I know, they've got a guy coming in who's awesome. But uh, Logan would be a perfect fit for Utah State. So At the moment, it's sort of messy. Um, yeah. Yeah, their, their starter at the beginning of the year, Jason Shelley just actually declared for the transfer portal himself today. Um, you know, he was he was removed from the starting role after four games, and the guy who replaced him, Andrew Peasley, had, was was up and down. He did lead the Aggies to their first win of the year, but I think you know between him and Cooper Legas and you know whomever else they decided to bring in with their recruiting class or or through the transfer portal. It's probably going to be an open competition at quarterback and a lot of other positions, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, uh, so that just makes me think that 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 if if Logan hasn't received a call for Blake Anderson about transferring to Utah State, then that's just ridiculous. It seems like that would be a tailor-made situation for Bonner, who desperately wants to be the guy, and and by and by every measure and metric, he has earned that right. He is a mm-hmm. good quarterback. Uh, in fact, if it had been Lane Hatcher that had decided to leave, I'd probably feel the same way. Yeah, he deserves, you know, they're just the same guy. Yeah. So, so that would be, that would be excellent for Utah State. Now, I also heard something about Utah State. They were having some sort of internal issues, um, which I didn't quite understand, and maybe you do. But, um, it, it seemed like there was a, a, a sort of a culture issue that was going on. There were some allegedly controversial statements. Made by the school's president. Yeah, we talked about it on our most recent podcast, I believe. Okay. Uh, about the uh, interim head coach Frank Miley in particular, and why he wasn't uh, given the the job in favor of Anderson. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I, I was thinking that Anderson would find a way to calm that down because he is a tremendous peacekeeper. The, yeah, the the player statement made it clear that it had nothing to do with Blake Anderson. <laughs> I remember that much. Well, that it's hard for me. I've never heard of one. I've heard of only one player who was crossed with Blake Anderson, and that was a quarterback who ended up transferring out. He was just one of these quarterbacks who felt he deserved play time and didn't get it. But I've never heard a cross word from a player about Blake Anderson. Uh, So I don't think you'll see anything at Utah State where a player writes a op-ed about how he was badly treated. That's just not going to happen. Now, you might hear about pool parties happening at his house, <laughs> but you won't hear about being mistreated. 
I just hope they're not ha- happening at this time of year. Imagine it'd be kind of cold in Logan. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that Blake's going to have to get used to, those those cold uh, Utah winters, because he probably got a little spoiled having these nice spring practices here at Arkansas. Unless he's going to, like, the eastern part of the state, then maybe. Yeah, well, maybe. There's, there's a whole lot of nothing but desert out there. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty, right? It's oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been and, through there you know, myself. And, and it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, you know, I was thinking about Blake Anderson the other day, and you know, his wife is from Jonesboro. Wendy, mm-hmm. she was from Jonesboro, and uh, they had Jonesboro ties. And I imagine Blake Anderson waking up every morning and being in that town, and and trying to move on after having this huge battle with cancer and watching his his his, his high school sweetheart die from it. I just feel like he's just going to find a a new gear at Utah where it's a completely different atmosphere. I mean, it's the same sort of uh, uh, smaller town mindset, I suppose. Yeah. But just physically, it's just a different place. There's nothing really there to remind him of his past life. And he'll have football, which I think is what he needs the most. So I really feel like he's going to find a lot of success in Logan. So I guess, you know, the last thing I want to touch upon kind of with that fresh start in mind and with some of the other things that you brought up previously, you know, one of the things of the immediate challenges in this, this feels like kind of an awkward transition, but <laughs> I guess there is no good transition away from something like that. But, you know, one of the immediate problems that he's going to have to rectify is the fact that at the moment, Utah State's recruiting class for 2021 is dead last in the Mountain West. You know, only four recruits, I think, at this point, and National Signing Day is tomorrow. Um, so by the by the time, uh, you know, most people hear this, you know, they'll be behind the eight ball. They'll have the late signing period to go. But one thing I'm sure a lot of Utah State fans would be curious about is hearing about how well he did, Anderson did, on that front uh, during his time in Jonesboro, I guess, relative to maybe the group five or more particularly with regards to the Sun Belt. Like how well did he do on the recruiting trail? In the Sun Belt, he was always, uh, Arkansas State always came in one, two or three. Um, we, in fact, uh, especially when it came to like wide receivers and quarterbacks, uh, Arkansas State always did very well. I think it's because Blake Anderson really knows how to speak that offensive language to these kids. Uh, in terms of defense, we, we had a guy named Trooper Taylor who was our great defensive recruiter. And when he left, I think it kind of went downhill a little bit and mm-hmm. we started seeing some of those numbers come off. And I think, and this is a little conjecture for me, but I imagine during his wife's uh, uh, fight with cancer, uh, recruiting probably wasn't his top priority. And that's so, totally understandable. Yeah, so like those first three years, like I said, we had great recruiting classes and had great talent coming in. And we'd also get tremendous transfers that would come in, guys that would be from Oklahoma State, TCU, and all these places that were exciting. We got landed a quarterback from Purdue. Just those type of things that brought, like, instant juice to the team. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they didn't work out, but sometimes they did. So he, he has a real knack of filling holes in unconventional ways. He was a He's a great JUCO guy. You know, he knows how to find talent out of JUCO. Uh, we, pick, we ended up picking out guys from Canada. 
that turned out to be very valuable players. Uh, Justin McGinnis was a wide receiver out of a school in Canada. I can't remember exactly where. And he just became a dynamite wide receiver for us. So he's not afraid to unearth, uh, lift up rocks from strange places and find gems from it. So the recruiting, he, I, I don't know about this year. I don't want to say, oh, he's going to, he's going to surprise everybody with this great recruiting day tomorrow with some surprise recruits. I have no idea. But I, I think what Utah State's going to see is a very, uh, a steady rise in their recruiting prowess. All right. Um, well, I think that was pretty, those were all pretty much the, the big questions I wanted to touch upon. I guess, you know, maybe kind of wrap things up with a bow. Is there, like, what's one thing that you think Anderson, you know, based on his tenure at Arkansas State, will need to maintain to get Utah State back to where they were a couple of years ago? Because, you know, you're, you're talking about an Aggies team that was 11 and 2. Mm-hmm. They were in the top 25. And then once they brought Gary Anderson in to replace Matt Wells, the program just, you know, it took a few steps backwards over the last couple of years. So like, what would you say is one thing he'll need to maintain? And then perhaps more importantly, what's, if there is one thing that he'll need to rectify or improve upon from his time at Arkansas State in order to get Utah State, State, you know, close to or back to that level of performance? Yeah, you know, the answer to that might be a sort of a merging of those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Anderson did his very best coaching when he was free to focus on the offense. So when he had a great defensive guy on the other side, uh, he didn't have to, and he didn't have to worry so much about defense and he could focus on his creativity on the offense. That's when Arkansas State really ticked the best. You know, what, so what I would say that what he needs to do is one, find himself a, a skilled DC, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, somebody who, who really knows what they're doing and lock that side of the ball down so he can really bring to Utah State what he's best at bringing. And that's a really dynamic, diverse, entertaining, uh, um, offensive scheme. So, that would be my advice for Utah State is you've got your offensive guys there. Now go ahead and focus on, on working on defense. Maybe even re- focus your recruiting on defense because he will get every, every ounce of talent he can from anybody on that offense. He re- what well, he really needs is talent on the defense. And, and case in point, you know, I thought, you know, now looking back over the last few days, you know, a couple of bits of news that came out or that, um, you know, former Aggies quarterback Chucky Keaton is going to be part of the staff, part yeah. of the offensive staff. Uh, and then the report that I believe was from Football Scoop first was that uh, Anthony Tucker was going to be coming in as offensive coordinator from UCF, which yeah, you know, the way that the Knights have played over the last few years, that's as good a get as, as anybody can get. Yeah, you're going to see a lot. Of, I'm glad to see Chucky coming back. Uh, he, he's a Utah State legend, am I right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad that they, they've connected. I'm glad that um, that uh, Utah State and, and, uh, and, 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 oh God, and Blake Anderson have connected. I really didn't re- realize there was much synergy between the two, but it sounds like they've had a, they, especially with them reaching out to Chucky, that he really understands what it's going to take to bring that that program back to snuff. 
All right. So before we uh, wrap things up and uh, officially move on to our, our championship slash commander in chief's trophy in a couple of days, um, do you want to, you know, pitch where you were writing from at this point? Uh, I, I write a column called Sunbelt Heat for uh, college football news. It's a, it's especially this year in COVID. It's, it hasn't been as consistent as I'd like it, but uh, check it out when you can. And I also write a local, uh, on a local webpage called howraiser.com. So if you're really interested, if your <laughs> listeners are really interested in learning more about the Red Wolves, they should check out howraiser.com. All right. So that was Jeremy Harper from College Football News and Howlraiser. Uh, thank you for your time. Not a problem. Thank uh, you. I really appreciate it. I'm sure, I'm sure Utah State fans definitely appreciate the insights. <laughs> and, um, uh, for those of you, uh, make sure to subscribe, make sure to rate, uh, make sure to uh, find us on your podcasting platform of choice, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, you can find us on MWWire.com. We'll have the article. We will have links to Jeremy's uh, publications. So thanks for tuning in, and we will see you in a or we will you will hear from us again in a couple of days.